Hello, hello, and welcome to Backable Leadership, a very special episode, actually. Nigel here, and I say it's a very special episode because Tim and Alana actually sat down, and for the first time, they discussed their journey about how they started business together and where they are now and the changing roles within there. So it's a great episode for anyone out there that's in a partnership with a significant other, whether that be girlfriend, boyfriend, wife, husband, friend, family, uh, as they discuss the challenges that they have faced in trying to balance that personal side with the business. So it's it's the conversation goes far and wide here, but they really talk about um, the decision to see how far they would go or how far you would go to scale your business and the difference between saying it and the actions that go behind it. They talk about the pitfalls of busyness, uh, investing in both personal and business growth, the challenges of being in partnership with a partner, and the sacrifices they as leaders chose to make to scale. So I hope you enjoy the show and uh, any feedback, as always, is greatly welcomed. Lana, mm-hmm. spelt with an E, what do you do? What do I do in building businesses? Yeah, we well, can talk about your company that you're basically in between. So you're, the company you built... Let's talk about that a little bit. It's quite interesting. When did you start your first business? It's a Um, good story. When did I start my first business? I was 23 years old. I just met Tim and after about six months, Tim convinced me that I should leave my work at a record label. Imagine if we imagine if we were thinking that many years ago that we'd be sitting in a podcast now. My God. I don't think podcasts existed. I know. That's That's I, was, I was thinking that too. I think YouTube was a newish. Instagram didn't exist. Yep, certainly didn't. Imagine that from where you are now that you're podcasting about your companies you've built. Um, so I run the digital marketing agency Loud Dates. We specialise in return on investment digital, but what that really means is that as the platforms have grown, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and LinkedIn, we've been able to find ways to work with the platforms to make money for people. So when we started it nine or ten years ago, there wasn't Facebook advertising. I don't think Instagram existed. You'd do a post a day and hope that it got out to the right people and over the last nine years it's turned into strategic content, strategic messaging, and making sure that you hit the right people with the right messages to give you a sale. It's quite funny. Remember at the times of Facebook and Instagram, we were complaining that there was 50% organic reach only and that was a rip-off for free. I once had a client ask, would I ever do advertising? I said, no, no, no. It's all about the organic. (laughs) Yeah, why bother? Don't (laughs) save your money. Why would you advertise? Don't even bother. If you have to advertise, you don't know what you're doing. Fast forward today, I think Facebook has already recorded their billion dollars for this financial year in profit from straight ad spend. It's great. So good. I love being targeted. Amazing. Because I do nothing wrong. Yeah. Just right. sell to me as my online shopping orders over the last two weeks. 100%. feel like an implanter. That's great, isn't it? I think it's interesting to think about your first business because it wasn't what the agency is now. And I think that people may be interested in someone around, you know, 23 years old who started their business with little business experience, to be fair, not not knowledge around business because Lana was, you had a good job then when I, I had met no you. business experience. No, you know, but, nice but you'd been in a corporate environment in terms of you're working at Universal Music, as much as that's a, a loose corporate environment, we might say, being in the music <laughs> industry, probably not reflective of most other corporate environments. But 
they were still pretty good at what they do, obviously. Yeah, very efficient. But you had no business experience and you started your consultancy, mm-hmm. got an initial client. What what was the difference between, I mean, how did you begin in terms of, I think it's daunting for a lot of people to have no clients, start something with an idea and then like, what's day one look like? I still remember day one, I was sitting at my parents' kitchen table with a laptop that I got for my 21st birthday. I had emailed my brother's friend to make me a logo and Tim had put a deadline of three days on the logo. You needed the name and the logo in three days and that was it. Whatever you've got then, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that. That's right. Not even kidding. And so. Which was always too long. That's what we negotiated (laughs) down to because I was like at three hours. If not, you're just called Lana's. (laughs) Um, So then. We were at the kitchen table. I'd reached out to a friend of Tim's who happened to own a fashion brand. And I reached out to my cousin who was a sales guy at a surf brand. And I believe I had quoted them both $125 a week. That's right. To do all content, all monitoring and all reporting. And that was five to ten posts a week on Facebook and Twitter with retweets. I think that's pretty important for those who may be thinking of starting a business that getting the perfect business model at the start's not right. So what our goal together, Alana and I, because obviously I was on the scene there and Alana had started the business and I didn't want her to fail as well. But basically what we were trying to do is how much money would we need to bring in in a week in order to replace Alana's wage and instead of, even if it was exactly the same wage, that she would at least have 40 hours a week to service those clients and make the same money. If we could achieve that, that was probably the pinnacle of good decision because at least you could run your own timetable and have that level of freedom. That's definitely the criterious way of looking at it, that you had the freedom. Yeah, well, at the start, that's what we were looking for, weren't we? I came from a corporate background that was very structured at Universal Music. I just wanted the same cash flow freedom and able to pick up and take off was definitely a you thing. She was an early millennial. Or maybe I was. <laughs> I was just trying to think, wait a minute, that sounds good. That's a millennial thinking. I, I was very Gen Y. I can do it, but it doesn't really matter if it fails. And I think that's probably a huge difference between business owners who succeed and those who get paralyzed by the fear of it. Did you think you were going to succeed in it? I thought I'd succeed because of who I was, not because of the business that I could go and do another business or another idea, that you and me working together, it would always work out somehow. So I didn't really have that fear of it won't work out. It was if it doesn't work out, I'll figure out plan B, C, D and E. And I'm still like that now. Yeah, which is the opposite of me. Yeah. Like cut off all the other possibilities, make it work. Yeah. Mm. You burn bridges, I keep them all It's true. It's actually so only recently I realised that there's probably a grey area between that. You literally can't take a samurai sword to everyone in your past because <laughs> they could be very helpful in the future when your life circumstances change. Yeah, that's, that's another topic I think. You're right, you do. You're very good at nurturing relationships. I'm horrid at it. Yeah, but I would say, and I think Nigel would agree with this, the yin and the yang of us is what works as biz- dual business owners. Yeah. Separately we're terrible but together. It's true. 
I know separately you're both good together. You combine and find a grey area in the middle <laughs> where the money is. Yeah. Does that mean we're in a marriage of convenience? 100%. Is that the definition of it? <laughs> I was just thinking about it. Oh my God, this is quite confronting because you talk about things you don't because you're forced to, yeah. but it's actually quite confronting. Like I've never, we've never spoken about the, the beginnings of this because I remember there was a few really good things like when you started your company, the first few clients like that, the way you see it, the way I saw it, all the battles we had during that period, you know, me being right, you being wrong, all those sort of things. You being 30, me being 22. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Life experience. Still many years in front, aren't I? So far, so good. Age-wise only. <laughs> um, for me personally, I think the the first breakthrough in my observation of you and then eventually the business that we had together or still have together is the jump from being a consultant helping brands to actually building a business because that was a good battle for us not not really that we battled together we just ran them parallel to see who would win that's um <laughs> you just defined battle <laughs> no but it, it was uh, alana and i differed you know, I, I believe alana cor- can correct me if my interpretation of the past is different maybe i um romanticize what it was but it was basically obviously if you know lana she she gets things done as well as anyone I've ever worked with and it's not just the reason I married her but that she was successful pretty quickly in her consulting. She had clients. She did a really good job. She over-serviced clients so more people wanted to deal with her. It wasn't necessarily commercially very successful but it was a hell of a lot more successful than having the job. We still got to that point where you smashed that. It was yeah. just hard work then because you it was all on you, the pressures of running your own business mm-hmm. and then – we had to work out maybe it's not we don't want to just replace your wage and and give you a bit of a, a breathing space from the corporate life. It was let's turn this. This could actually be really good. So I'm smiling here because Tim's exact words were, if you consult, you can't go on holidays. <laughs> That's why we turned the consulting into a business because he wanted to go and travel the world with his partner, which is be careful what you wish for. So I was, yes, absolutely the discussion about turning your consultancy into a real business was around selfishness 100%. because there was no chance that I was going to end up with someone who didn't have any flexibility in their life. Yeah. So that was that was our decision basically on, okay, so now what? Because Lana had a good consultancy. You don't want to risk that. Sorry, we're conservative, so we didn't want to risk that, but Lana particularly, which she did all the hard work to get there. But talk through the mindset around then, running the second business of the same thing because I think that's very interesting for people who probably are in their business now and running a one or two person operation and now want to start thinking about actually turning into a business rather than being just self-employed. I would say that I'm not particularly risk averse but that I always I always have plans. If plan as I said before if plan A doesn't work I'll have a plan B, plan C, plan D. So when we decided to turn consulting into a business, it was on the proviso that I would keep running the consulting and that the business would build alongside of it and then whichever one took off the most, that was the one that we would go with. So there was never any danger of me losing income or Tim losing income, but we also weren't going to sit there and just coast along. So that's where probably the risk-averse nature comes into it, the fact that we love risk. Yeah, Uh but we're still smart about how we do it. That's interesting then. I was telling someone the other day that I'm risk averse 
and uh, was it you, Nigel? No, it wasn't. It was, <laughs> it was uh, definitely not me. Because it was mate. the same reaction that you gave. I feel personally that I'm very risk averse. I really wish there was a live stream camera in here because <laughs> Nigel and I yeah. were shocked. No, but actually, I, in me personally, and this is not trying to be a smart aleck, I think I am a very, very risk averse person. And this person said, You have got to be joking. Whereas I don't quite understand that because you take risk. You're a big risk taker. Huge risk taker, but I, they're all measured. You and I will jump because we know that we will figure it out on the way down. We, for example, we wouldn't over invest in something that we couldn't control. We can control business. We no, know that and, for a and fact. I think that's where I, I'm coming from too, that I'm probably okay. I don't see it risky at all if I'm in control. The risk I see is when I don't have control but I'm vested in there, which may be just being a control freak. But that's where I see risk. So that's why I hated corporate world. And we've had this, I think we've spoken about this before, which is the biggest scary thing for me in the corporate world is doesn't matter how great I was there, and this is probably an ignorant thing, someone else could stop my progression if they just decided that or there was other agenda. It's not a fair playing field. I think that you and I look at things as if we can control it, we can make it anything. Yeah, totally. Someone else can control your career. Someone else can promote you. Yeah. Someone else can decide. Someone just doesn't like you. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas how we operate is if we want to do it, let's do it. So how's that not more risky? That's in my mind is, yes, the the mechanics of what you need to do in your daily, you know, it's reliant on you as a business owner. You don't wake up, you don't go to work where you don't have a business until you get to a certain point. Like how are people less risk averse knowing that someone else is waking up doing that and if they run the business into the ground that you're not going to have a job? I think with the risk averse nature is you and I put our wages back into the business for however many months to build it, that some people would look at that as a negative and say, well, I would never do that. Whereas our risk averse is to build a business, we'll do whatever it takes, that we will actually forego a wage for a period of time because we know at the end it's all going to be okay and it will all work out. Yeah, definitely in the early stages Mm. we put all the money essentially back into the business that we could. So we basically lived, um, there was a period of time we moved back in with your parents which is confronting when you're, for me, was I was over 30 years old then, so actually do that. But we needed the cash freed up for the business or we wouldn't have got there fast enough, mm. which is I guess a lot of people probably wouldn't because I was about to say because they probably have more self-respect. But if for us it was like, well, well, it is whatever it takes. Everyone says that until you have to do whatever it takes and they don't. Yeah, so I look at some of um, Philodomo's non-clients, so people who have been approached and are keen to start but there's always a reason not to. Now, for me, who was putting every dollar back into the business, I still managed to go and find someone to help me with my business. I still f- managed to go and find the money to pay for it to build my business because if it is whatever it takes, that means whatever it takes, not just whatever it takes in a way that suits me, in a that, way that means I can go really... out or hang out with friends or watch TV or whatever it might be. And that's the huge difference for me. Because we did do that at the stage for those that you know don't know us personally that – we felt we needed a type of consultant when we were growing our company together. Um, the consultant was more around business and the relationship within the business as well. So Lana and I working on communication skills to make sure we didn't kill each other or lose the relationship during the build phase because it can be very stressful. And as you probably noticed, we're both probably um, sure of, of our own opinions until someone can prove us otherwise. Um but we didn't have the money for that at all and it was a bloody expensive consultant at the time. Yeah. For us, it was more money than we'd made the previous year in terms of profit, not the whole revenue. But that was a huge investment for us, a bloody good one in the end. Mm-hmm. But 
um, not just because it was the consultant we grew the business, but also that I think it changed the mindset of investment in ourselves is important. Yeah, and I'd say that that's why I can be difficult to work with at times is because I don't see that what I do is particularly special. I see that as that's what it takes in order to build a business. And so if someone isn't willing to do the same commitment, I don't always have a lot of time for them. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's what I'm talking about with being risk averse. Mm. Like I feel right now that we probably at this point in time we could put more into the business but when does it stop because we're heavily invested back into it. Yeah. Even now we could probably have a nicer lifestyle, whatever that means. You know, dumb stuff like you could buy a holiday house or you could do this or you could just, you know, Lana, Lana told me I shouldn't worry about buying a new pair of shoes. It's not the kind of afford a thousand pairs of shoes or anything like that, but I'm still in my mind of but every dollar could turn into five in the business. Why would you spend another dollar or anything else? Hmm. Like in my head. That's, that's how also I, why you think Bitcoin's dumb because you know that right now you can make more of a return in business for $1 in business than you could for $1 in Bitcoin. Yeah, I had a good argument with some crypto guys around this and they're like, you know, you're they said you're a pretty risky guy, funnily enough, that's the second time <laughs> it's come up. Why aren't you invested in crypto? And I'm like, but I don't understand. Even if it goes at this point in time, whatever, it was sitting at $20,000 and now it's back to $7,000. I'm a believer in the technology, absolutely, and I'm a believer in it's the future. But in their guesstimates, it could be thirty dollars to $40,000 safe per Bitcoin in two, three years' time. I believe I can get a 10 times return in my business, so why would I put that anywhere else, which is absolutely I mean, if you don't think about your business like that, what are you doing in business? Well, that probably then comes back to your first question, which is how did the consulting go from a consulting to a business? Because you yeah. invested in it. Well, I can take people through the changes then you practically had to make a little bit because I think that's, I mean, that's a huge step to actually decide to grow a business. What what do you, well, at the time, what did you see as the fundamental difference between what you were doing and the new business because we actually registered and opened a separate company just to make sure that if it didn't go well, we didn't wreck Lana's reputation. I think the biggest difference was I had to hire people so it wasn't relying on me. And so to do that, I had to build systems and processes so you couldn't just fudge it. You couldn't just fill the gaps. You had yep. to build hire people and build systems that would work together without you and that's a huge ego slap yep. that someone or something can operate without you. Yeah, because it's not a business if it requires you. Yeah. It's just a very much a self-employed or a version of. Mm. And so it's where micromanagers and perfectionists can get in trouble is if they don't need you or if it works without being perfect, what's the point? And I'm not a micromanager nor a perfectionist, but I've still got a pretty good ego on me. And so I was able to put that ego into system development. So what was the result? A systemized business that could run without me. And what happened in terms of results? We made cash. Yeah, a lot more cash. How how long after did we close down your original business because it just wasn't financially viable? I reckon it was maybe three months max. Yeah, I reckon it was 12 weeks. So the same thing you were doing, which is three, three months. months. Three months. Yeah. Technically it's 13 weeks but whatever. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Split hairs. Okay, you too. Now you settle down. Did I just agree with him? Yep. <laughs> that's good. I like this, um, I like this facilitation. And it's recorded like, too. It's actually... We should install these at home. This is a much nicer way to communicate. Like we're considered in what we're saying because it's recorded. For, yep. So this is very considered. I quite like this. But I think that's really important because it was about, as, as Lana said, three months difference. But that 
business, you were killing yourself in your consultancy at the time because you had a few clients on board. You were doing a lot of client work. You're doing a lot of client management. You were basically getting back to a point of breaking point. The money was starting to roll in, so that was at least a bonus. So you it's could, nice. Yeah, you could buy yourself some shoes and feel nicer because, oh, well, I'm running my own business. But it was not sustainable. No. So fundamentally, what did that show you? Because I think that's a big thing, that model that we changed. Mm-hmm. Was pretty. It's pretty amazing that you can grow a company in three months like you did just with a slight change in model. Most people think their business is broken, but they've just got the wrong model. Most people also think their business is difficult and special. Yeah, it's nothing like realizing that your business can be broken down to a checklist. Yeah. I respect people who work hard, but I don't respect people who don't go out to find out what it could be. Yeah, if you've done the same thing for five years, you have, and you're not liking it. If you love it, go for gold. If you don't want to grow your business, then don't. But if you sit there and say, I want to dominate the world, I want to have international offices, I want to have staff, there comes a point where you have to realise that if you don't figure it out with someone else because you only know as much as you know and there better be smarter people out there, otherwise you're in a lot of trouble, you have to go and find them. There's no real right to dwell on how busy you are. Everyone's um, busy. Yeah, everyone's busy. It's your tolerance for that and tolerance for change. I'd That's say the thing. That yeah. Most mothers are busier than most business owners, and yet they still do it all. I've just been hanging out with a group of mothers, and I just don't know how they do it. it freaks me out. But to be busy is not special. Yeah. To be busy, as uh, Tim used to say at uh, social media servants, just means you're not doing your job properly. If you're there at ten o'clock at night, it's not impressive. <laughs> Listen, as I said, a few of my <laughs> philosophies have changed a little, a little bit, but I, I genuinely believe that. It's not because people, and I think that's, I should clarify that because it probably makes me sound like a bit of a prick, but I do stand by it. If you're there at 10 o'clock, there are, there are times when you have to be, you have to do an all-nighter, you have to do that. Like Absolutely. That's, that's just the thing. Your resources sometimes can't catch up to your growth. Sometimes you're the only one who can deal with a problem. The owner sometimes is the only one who should deal with a, pro- a problem in, in the life cycle of the business, particularly early on. But, you know, if people there are, consistently there all night and getting the same result they're the problem and it comes back to what we were talking about before which is investment invest in a bookkeeper instead of you doing the invoices invest in a new staff member instead of you doing all the work or as tim and i discovered invest in a cleaner instead of you going there every sunday to clean the office I mean that bucks. was a that was a big one for us, and then mm. it was like you idiots, it was you so absolute idiots that you would have to come in every weekend because we wanted to save fifty, a hundred bucks. But that was the mindset back then: is every dollar had to go back in the business for growth, getting the staff members, making the decision. I I still stand by it. I know it's not the the right thing to do, but at that time, I would prefer to have the hundred dollars in my pocket than have done got a cleaner. It was only at the point where we could afford everything. Mm. But you and I didn't put the hundred dollars in your pocket. We hired a new staff member. Well, that's that's true too. But it, the perception that you could put a hundred dollars <laughs> into your pocket. But I think a lot of people don't get that because most people will be sitting here and probably think it's quite obnoxious that we're talking about. Yeah, but I'm not the same. I don't have the money to do that. I don't have the money to do that. It goes back into that same thing of so get the money to do it. Find a way to make the business make more money. Lift your prices. If that's all you can do, or, do that. Or if you don't want to do it, then don't. But don't complain about I can't because everyone else has found a way to make it happen. There just is always that barrier and I get it. I've been there. I'm still there. I'm just lucky that I'm now surrounded by nine or so individuals who I can talk to about next steps if I ever get stuck. But 
as a 23-year-old female with zero business experience, I found a way through education, knowledge and talking to people to get to the next step, whether it was to hire a cleaner, whether it was to hire a new staff member, whether it was to offer new product or service. To say that it has to be like this is actually not true. If you want it to be like that, cool, because I also love being very busy. It makes me feel like I'm doing something effective. I've just chosen in the last probably only three months to put my busyness into something else, like yoga. Your busyness into something else. Anyway, we won't get off topic because I think it's – I want to go through the journey from – so you moved from self-employed, you started our business, Mm -hmm. which then I became a partner of, which was fun. Mm -hmm. We got our consultants to make sure we didn't kill each other and we built the company. Mm -hmm. What would you say the next biggest tipping point for you? Because then we had quite a growth spike and I think that's, you know, it's when you're sort of doing over seven figures, when you, you know, break through the million dollar mark and all those sort of things. What What do you think the difference is from or that you needed to do or the reason you got there? Staff. So we went from just hiring a bunch of people to actually getting specialists. Yep. So people who could do the job specifically and effectively. We made the decision to grow with the entire team. So it's great. You can have it from the top decides that they're going to grow and that's all well and good. But if you actually bring individuals into it and say, we're going to grow and this is what it looks like. So we started to give path for growth to the team. And then we did more investment once again. We invested more money back into the business. We made decisions that you and I would personally not take more money out that we could have, possibly some will say should have, that we would put it into the growth, Uh, brought on partners to make sure that the business had the best opportunity to grow. Yeah, so for about five years there we were probably the least paid in the company. Would that have been fair? Absolutely. Yeah, I think I'm just trying to work back, but it would be about five years, give or take six or 12 months. That's probably a pretty important thing when you're self-funding growth mm. that you understand that you may have to not buy a house, which was one of our goals as a couple is, well, the business needs to buy the house, not us saving to buy a house. We need to get the business to a point where we can buy a house quickly, mm. but it's not now because the business needs to eat money. We also made the decision of the individuals who were part of the team, they hadn't signed on to be business owners all of the team had signed on to be employees in a really great company, so they should get paid a parable wage. We made the decision to grow a business, which is why we took a smaller wage. So I think, again, with business owners, it comes back to your decision. If you want to have a huge wage, that's absolutely fine, but you have to figure out the sacrifices that you will make in the business in order to make that happen versus taking a lower wage to grow the business if that's your choice. Yeah, so Lana and I shared basically a wage during that period, which was so, so we, fun. Um, we tried to, uh, I guess, we tried to just have something that was livable, but that was a time where we had to choose to move back to Lana's parents for a couple of years. Um, it was really helpful because A, her parents are awesome, but B, um, we were working such long hours anyway. And this is obviously counterintuitive. What I just said before is I'm not complaining about it. We just work long hours because we wanted to get there faster. So we were working. We were basically just sleeping back there and having a half wage, which we would just, we didn't really have any, really any outgoings no. apart from that. But everything would get put back into the company because we had a vision of building a company, not making a wage. Would that yeah. be a fair summary? Absolutely. And again, it was our decision. Yeah. 
and there's no doubt we left it too long because even Ooh, yeah. once we built that habit, we actually found it very difficult to, we kept doing it. And I think if we look back now, we probably would have set a, a some goals around when it automatically triggered that we had to take a, an automatic a wage because it's actually, you could go forever and not pay yourself properly. And that's one of the big problems we obviously have in consulting when we look at companies we get people don't pay themselves properly or the owners particularly and then they can never pay it themselves properly because they're always leaving themselves to last and that's not a good habit to be in no and i think from my point of view watching the consulting happen it's something i wish that i had had to a bigger level which is what the hell do i know about business when i start and of course i'm going to put myself last because i want to grow the business but to have a sounding board and I hear some of the phone calls and I speak to some of the clients, to have that sounding board of Philodomo across the spectrum. So each individual, whether it's your actual direct contact or if it's the contact in the team, to actually tell you that it's a dumb idea to pay yourself last or that it's a smart idea to pay yourself last. And it's ebbs and flows on the business and what goes on. We never had that. We learnt by trial and error. We had a consultant, but they couldn't tell us that. No, we, we outgrew our consultant um, pretty quickly because mm. we needed to get over a hump and we found that and then when that's great. Still, it's great to have that person. But essentially you get to a point where there's not a one person for everything, no. which is at the time we needed someone more around our communication and focus and goal setting together. Yeah, and they were perfect for that. Yeah, perfect catalyst because we needed a third person. It's hard in a partnership, which is a discussion for another day, which is particularly boyfriend, girlfriend, um, husband and wife, it, it's important to have a catalyst of some sort because these conversations can um, erode the personal relationship if they're not resolved quickly. You don't want to take shit home with you. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that was a big one for us. Um, but I think in terms of, I mean, the, the way that we've dealt with it from Philodomo in terms of encouraging clients of how to set their wages as the owners and founders of company is from our experience, which is, set your wage and then your remuneration is based on bonuses as the CEO, not that you can just lift your wage every month and then lower it because that's just a stupid way to live mm. and you're not then going to invest in your business or you're never going to invest in yourself so something gets hurt. And a lot of people don't know that and that's that's the reality of, you know, all the jokes about high school, they teach you how to do long division but they never teach you how to do your taxes. So all this information about business which can seem so simple once you've gone through it, which is why we can make jokes about me being a hard ass and Tim sounding arrogant. Yes, we've done it before, but Philodomo and the help that's given, I would have killed for it when I was starting. It's also something that you, from outside looking in, you've never seen the company's money as your own, but you have to teach that. Like, so the company has money, and you, as directors, are, you treat yourselves as employees of the company. Oh, it's a, it's probably a good point because it probably is interesting for some people out there running their own businesses. Um, yes, even if you're the owner, you work for the company because our advice here is, if you're an owner that can't produce results to get you where you want to go, you should replace yourself as the owners and forego that wage. So what's the market rate of replacing you as the general manager or CEO or whatever role you play in the business? But anything above that should be a decision around how do we invest to get to our goal quicker. If you keep taking a little more, a little more, a little more, you're essentially a hybrid self-employed person, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. There's a lot of very successful people 
that do that same thing. My business is a vehicle to make money and then they take their money and put it into investments or their whatever they are. That's That model is absolutely fine for some, but it's not growing a business as an asset. It's not your money, it's the business's money to accelerate. It's a very big distinction and most people won't do it because as soon as they get a first taste of money, they grab as much as they can. That's why I still struggle to buy a pair of shoes. So annoying. Yeah. Buy the shoes. Anyone who's listening, <laughs> buy the shoes. No. I see when we're going to differ on there, it's like why? It's like you've just lost five times that money because you could have put it in something else that would grow the business faster. What's the point? Because I look good coming to work. I'd rather be barefooted and have a five times bigger company. Not that I think that's the difference between <laughs> buying shoes and doing that, but it's, it's a still a mindset of I would say we're very, back to that point, very, very conservative. Yeah. Like, we also come at things from completely different angles, which is why we've been able to grow the way that we have. Because mm. you and I can rage at each other on a topic of business, completely disagree, find each other's point of view, come to a solution that we decide is the way forward, regardless if we both agree, we present a united front and that's what happens. Not a lot of people are lucky enough to have that. No, I agree. You're certainly lucky. I certainly feel lucky, Lana. (laughs) So glad I could be here for this. One of us feels lucky. (laughs) In terms of now, what's your role now in your business? Because you're going through another transition, which is a cool transition where you're basically, um, you were were offered a, a sum for your, our company, mm-hmm. you're retaining the company and growing the business. You've just bought in a GM, um, which is big for you because you will not be operational in two months, which is the first time in nine years in that business and you're going straight into a full operational role in uh, <laughs> living uh, the dream. Kids. my slash our company. Um, Your company. My company. No slash. Well, that's right. Business is business but essentially – Marriage is marriage, so you didn't sign a prenup. Your business. Just really you don't just put that in yeah, on you record. Really as well. get, <laughs> you just don't get the medium, do you? It's just, <laughs> anyway, so what's the what's your next personal transition? Because you're essentially moving into an employee position. I'm so excited not to have any responsibility. Don't need to know finances. Don't need to do team management. You're joking. Yes, such a lie. <laughs> Lana's, Lana's moving into our um, COO role at Philodomo or within the Philodomo group. So her job is to obviously go against uh, across our group of companies and make sure that they're operationally running well and that the heads of those companies are performing the way they need to perform. But what what do you see your role now and the experience you had from your company in building it up in how, how you will approach this? Because it is a little bit of a different role. It's a good question. I think the biggest change is going to be um, the life experience of the people that are being hired is something that's going to be able to change my perception because I've only ever known what I've known. I've gone out and I've tried to find more information and I've surrounded myself with what I would say like-minded people. Um, Even my mentors who are older than me, we all still think a certain way and now Consultants who are coming in have got very different experience to me, very different life experience. And so learning how they see the world is able to allow me to refine how I do things. So how I interact with people, I have to become more mature, which is a weird thing for me coming from a digital agency full of millennials, making sure that I'm much more accountable 
and moving more into a data role. So my opinion is great, but we're trying to build a business that's based on fact and pulls out any of the grayness of if it's working or not working. And then I think the hardest thing for both Tim and my, myself is going to be the cutthroatness that's probably going to be required. If the data says it's black and white and here's the action, we're going to have to just take it as opposed to, as you said, letting things go on for too long like yeah. we did with, the, with our wages. Yeah. I mean, there is an element of trying to look after people and give everyone an opportunity, but you can't be running a performance company and not be willing to make decisions that increase performance. I mean, that's that's against the brand values and also it's um, you don't want to be setting that precedent and telling others that they should act a certain way and then within your own company you're not doing that. Yeah. My one job is to make decisions. Yeah. That's the COO's role. Uh, absolutely, which is what everyone listening should want from their COO role. And if you don't have a COO, your job as a leader is to make more decisions than the next person. That's yeah. One of my mentors used to say that the only difference between him and the people he worked for was he made the decision and if it was wrong, he changed it. But he made it quicker than everyone. You've got to make it fast and if it's wrong, you've got to change direction even faster. Yeah. What do you see is the missing link or the thing that particularly companies and with our group of companies being obviously our focus, but people in general is what's the difference between, I guess to summarise and finish up here is what does it take to grow a company past a nice little local company, what do you think is required in terms of the next step for businesses once they start dealing with it as a business? But because you've had the whole, you've worked with multinationals and billion-dollar companies, what do you think they do that a lot of smaller businesses from a point of view of their projection, not just obviously digital, yeah. that, that they need to do as a mindset? I think one of the biggest things I've seen across successful companies is everyone has got a role and everyone is accountable to that role. If you don't have your KPIs, if you don't have your accountabilities, if you don't have your decision-making trees all set up, the marketing manager makes the decision on marketing. The finance manager makes the decision on finance. When it all feeds up to one person who has to look at all the data and all the information and make all of the decisions, without the support below or to the side of them saying here is what here's what the data is, here is what we believe the data is saying and here's our recommendation, having those people around you who actually allow you to see the wood through the trees, so to speak, that's the biggest difference that I see with bigger companies and those who make that jump to a smaller company. No, I agree totally and I think that's probably the transition from smaller businesses that some people who never get it understand that your job in a smaller business is to if you want to build a business is to how work out how fast I can get to a point where I can employ specialists to do particular Absolutely. jobs that's your first goal if you're self-funding great that's the reinvestment that's finding out ways to maximize your dollars that might be whatever you need to do but I think in terms of our growth in particular companies now we've done a few is making sure that there are specialists doing that and probably the caveat we would put on top is they should have done it before before they got get to you because there's a lot of people who say they can do something the only difference is they've never done it and i think that's probably a good caveat for some of the the listeners yeah absolutely excellent nigel 
think we might uh, sound off here because we probably should get back to work and and do a few things. But thank yeah, you, Alana. No, I've uh, about reached a point of hearing you two be agreeable with each other. That's yeah. so <laughs> strange. <laughs> really care odd. for it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Nigel. Thank you, Lana. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>